Kings, I think it's about five years ago. Did you go to China? Five years ago. Ten? Uh, ten yeah, years? Because I can't believe I'm 40 years old. What in the world happened over here? Ten years. Well, praise the Lord. So you got that much more to share. But as you know, we've been praying for the, the chunks since they've gone over there. And we pray every Thursday night for them. And they are on sabbatical for missionary work. And they're both uh, doctors, MDs. And I'm not sure if they're going to share their work over there. Were you going to share? All right, wonderful. They're going to share a little work. Then he's going to bring the word. And so uh, let's give a warm welcome to uh, Cedric as he comes up to preach the gospel for us. All right. It, it really is such a blessing to be back at Sonship. Uh, I mean, I've been here three times. This is my fourth. Every time I walk in through the door and um, I feel the Spirit. It's here. The Holy Spirit is here. And it's, I see it in your guys' faces, actually, and in your interactions with one another. It's genuine. That's from my heart, really. I didn't prepare that. I didn't say that. I just felt... I needed to say that, actually. So it's, it's wonderful. Even, even though I, don't, I haven't been here that many times, but I feel welcomed. We feel loved. So, and we know, and we can feel your prayers, too. Thank you. So I'm just so happy to be able to come to be able to thank you all in person. Now, uh, thank you, Sonship this congregation for the 10 years that you guys have been praying for us and been supporting us. Um, we can go to the next slide. Can go to, okay. So I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to uh, introduce our family. Uh, when, you saw Wendy there. The three kids, they're back home. The little one was sleeping, so we just came out. And so Stephen, he's 12. Claire's 10. And Joseph, that's a new one since the last time. He's, he's two and almost two and a half. Uh, that's Joseph, so that's us. Um, <laughs> so we're really excited to be able to share a little bit about what's been going on for the last uh, five years since the last time we've been back here. And uh, we want to just share with you what's going, what God has been doing out there uh, through the ministry. And uh, next slide. So I'll go right into it. We live... And we serve in Sichuan province. That's southwest China. Um, that's where that star, it, it, it's kind of hard to see, but it's that star there. Next slide. In a place called Zhaodria. It's a little rural town. And that's where the Yi minority, Y-I, the Yi minority live. And they are an unreached people group. There's only about, there's less than 1% Christian out of the Yi minority. Uh, next slide. And that's, that's what our town kind of looks like when you see it out, see around here. So New York, that's really different <laughs> from where we are. So next slide. And these are some of the pictures of the people there. Next slide. <laughs> those, are, those are two nurses, actually, that work with me. <laughs> right? <laughs> and they don't, they don't dress like that every day. That was a, that was a special day at the hospital and they had sort of a dress up day. That's their traditional clothes though. So if they were, were going to a wedding or even a funeral, uh, that's the kind of clothes they would wear. Next slide. 
and this is a grandmother, and next slide. These are some of the men uh, that you'd see out there. And next slide. We serve at the the Jaudria, it's a county level, it's a county level hospital. That's our hospital that we both serve at. And next slide. And we see patients there, we take care of patients there. That's Wendy with a, a little uh, child. She's a pediatrician. Um, and I am an infectious diseases doctor for adults. Um, and I'll be talking more about that, what that means actually. And then we, next slide. And we also do patient education. So that's us in our room teaching the patients about their health. And I'll get into that in more specifics. Well, I've told you about who we are, what we do. But today, I really want to focus on why. Why did we go? What's the reason? Why would we leave New York? Why would we leave our family, our church? our home, our jobs, and move to a place like that, a small rural town really in the middle of nowhere in China. It all has to do with the topic that I'm talking about today. It's abundant life. It's all about the abundant life that Jesus gave us. So we're going to go right into that passage. The passage is found in John 10, 7 to 16. It's a little bit small. Uh, I forgot to bring my Bible, actually. I'm going to use this. I'm going to read it, so you just follow along. It says this, John 10. Oh, you can turn to your Bibles. I'm sure you brought your Bibles. John 10, 7 to 16. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Last verse, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock. So, firstly, abundant life is about relationships. So to understand abundant life, we need to go back again, start at verse 9. It says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Well, Jesus addresses the biggest reason why we don't have abundant life. Why people just don't have an abundant life. And that's because we have a broken relationship with God. Because of our sin. No matter how much 
I help people get better from the sickness, how, no matter how much I extend their lifespan as a doctor. How, no matter how much I help people, we help people over there in China get materially a little bit better off, or how much education we might offer, all these things won't give people eternal life. Only belief in Jesus will save souls. Therefore, as we demonstrate practical love to the Yi people through our medical ministry, while at the same time we are speaking the gospel clearly and inviting people into a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus. So, not only is Jesus uh, the gate, he's, oh, so, next slide, I'm sorry, next slide. Next slide. That's okay. Not only is Jesus the gate, but he calls himself the good shepherd. He calls himself the good shepherd. So he said, I am the good shepherd. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So, from verse 4, we didn't read it, but from verse 4, from the same chapter, it says, The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They recognize Jesus' voice. So, next slide. Yeah, that's the gate. That's like a. Uh, that's one of the shepherds with the gate. Next slide. And we see this all the time. The ye people. A lot of the ye people are shepherds. They know this inside out. They get this. They're shepherds, and that's one of the local men with his flock, actually. So, it says, abundant life then is knowing, and then following the voice of Jesus. So if we only would listen to his voice and follow him, Jesus then takes us to green pasture where there's food for us, nourishment. There's material blessing, there's spiritual blessing. Everything which makes us grow and mature. Everything that keeps us healthy. Everything that brings us joy. Okay, so besides entering a relationship with himself... Jesus then brings us into two more relationships. First, the relationship to the Father. In verse 14 and 15 it says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Well, in other words, he says, well, you know me. I know the Father, therefore you know the Father. And it just doesn't, it doesn't just end there. Well, we aren't just in relationship with Jesus and the Father. It says we are in relationship with one another. We are in relationship with one another now. It says in verse 16, it says, The sheep will be one flock. We've got the flock here in sonship. You are a flock. You are in relationship with one another. We join a new community. We've got a new family. We're a church family. Amen. You know, um, I, I want to illustrate that a little bit with my own testimony. So, I grew up in church. You know, the kids who just went out, that was me when I was young. 
I grew up in the church since I was really small. And I read the Bible every day. I prayed my prayers before going to sleep. I was even baptized at 14. But in reality, in reality, I was not following Jesus. In truth, I was no different than my non-Christian friends. If you just looked at me, you would have no clue that I was a Christian Monday to Saturday. I was a Sunday Christian. I just looked good on Sunday. The rest of the week, I can do whatever I want. That's, that was my mindset. So when I left home to go to college, as I went away to college and I lived there, I was determined I'd be my own boss now. <laughs> I'd stop go to church, going to church. I'd pursue my own dreams. So I thought. I would party. I'd have fun. Uh, later on, I'd get a good job, live in a nice house, get a nice car, all that stuff. In other words, I want to go the way of the world. I want to listen to the way of the world, but God had other plans for me. Praise God. God surrounded me. I was not looking for it, but God surrounded me with a lot of Christian friends. He, I was going to go that way of the lost sheep. He went, he's going to come, come back and snatch me right back. And during my first year in college, uh, these friends invited me to come to the Christian fellowship. The Christian fellowship at the college campus and also to church. And it was during one of these worship services, during um, a Friday night at our uh, Christian campus fellowship where we were worshiping. And I'd have to say, out of the blue, I was also not looking for this. I heard God's voice speaking to me. That was the one and only time, really, that I... I heard his voice speaking to me. It, it knocked me over. And he said to me, you are a lukewarm Christian. Now this had been about six months or so since I started going back to church and kind of getting it back into it again. He said, you are a lukewarm Christian. You need to either completely live for me or you can leave. That, I don't know if I can get that out of the Bible necessarily, but that was his message to me, actually. That's what I heard. And I was shaken to my core. Wow. Well, for a week, I, I really struggled with this, this revelation to me. And I thought about all the things I need to give up. But most of all, I thought about what I'd the control I'd have to give up. Or what I thought I had control over my life and my future. And one by one, God reassured me that living for him, completely living for him, would, would be the only way where I would get real peace, real joy. And not chasing after my silly dreams. So I asked God to be the Lord of my life. And I've never been the same. And he set me on a path toward abundant life. That is, being loved by him, knowing his forgiveness, being filled by the Holy Spirit, and living in fellowship with other believers in church. 
All right, so we'll go back to the passage. Uh, that was my testimony. Now, there is a problem, though. There is a problem in the passage. And the problem is there is an enemy. During the worship time, it was alluded to. There is an enemy out there. And he is actively opposing the good shepherd. He wants to prevent. He wants to undermine, undo all that Jesus wants to do for the sheep. It says in verse 10, the enemy is called the thief in here. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, What does that look like in our context? What does that look like in the place where we serve? You can move on down through the slides. Okay. What does that look like? Well, Jaudria, the place where we serve, is actually one of the, the most poor places in the whole of China. Now, China is, is becoming more wealthy. It's actually the second uh, economy behind America now. But there are parts of China that almost feel like they haven't changed for the last 50 years. That's where we are right now. So it's one of the poorest places. Next slide. It is the place dealing with the most drugs as well in all of China. Dealing with injection of heroin in that place there. And because of drugs and injection of needles, HIV and AIDS. It is the number one spot, number one and number two spot for the whole of China with HIV. So you've got very low education. A lot of people can't read Chinese, actually. They can't read. A lot of people can't even speak Chinese. They speak their own language, actually. So they don't have access to very good jobs. They're stuck in drugs. They're bonded by, they're in bondage to drugs. And then 10%, 10% of the people there have HIV. Well, that's, that is mind-blowing, actually. So as a doctor, that's really mind-blowing. So in every single family that we know personally, almost every single, per, every family has somebody who's in drugs, somebody with HIV. And they're all dealing with it. Even the pastor's family. Uh, their extended families, uh, they're dealing with it too. Next slide. And HIV is literally, literally killing lives. It's stealing hope, destroying families. That's the kind of thing that we're dealing with. And to top it all off, the Yi people, they believe in a sort of an animism. It's a, it's a fear of spirits, evil spirits. That's their religion. And that picture up there, the man that's facing us, is called a bimo. A bimo in their language is a shaman or a priest. That's the person you look for when you're sick, when you need something, when something's wrong in your life and you think there's some sort of evil spirit attacking you. You ask this man to pray for you and to sacrifice animals like uh, sacrifice a chicken or a goat or a lamb. So you, you look for him, and he recites these uh, um, the prayers and does sacrifices to appease evil spirits. Okay, so that's the grip that Satan has in this place. What do you think God feels 
when he sees this in the ye people, precious people, the people he created in his own image. How does he feel when he sees the thief coming, destroying lives like this? Does he want to leave them like this in such a hopeless state? Well, let me introduce one person to you, um, one ye man to you. Next slide. Uh, his name is uh, Ke Zhi, and I met him in the hospital. He's a father of three, three young children. He has HIV. And when I met him, the reason why he was in the hospital is because he was going blind. There's a certain, a certain viral infection because he had HIV, because he had AIDS, a really late advanced stage of AIDS, was causing a very serious eye infection in both his eyes. And it was leading to blindness. Well, uh, we knew what was going on. We started him right away on the right appropriate medication. But his case was pretty far advanced. Uh, uh, medically speaking, there was not much hope about uh, to recover his eyesight. So I told him, besides being your doctor, I'm a Christian. I believe there is a God who made this universe, a God who made you. He made your eyes. I believe that this God will listen to us when we cry out to him in prayer. And by faith, he can heal your eyes. And so we prayed right there. He said, Shh, pray for me. We prayed right there. And every day thereafter, he was in the hospital there for about uh, at least a month, a month and a half. And because the medications, uh, they're not cheap. And they were not covered by insurance. Um, he was going to have to give up and go home. But... Um, our, our organization has a fund a set up to help poor patients. Pretty much all of them are like this, actually. And we were able to pay for the drugs, pay for the medication, so he could keep on taking the medication. Um, so besides praying for him, uh, I shared the gospel with him. Over time, we prayed, uh, we shared the gospel with him, and I was getting others to pray for him. In fact, you might have prayed for him. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> but I had people praying for Ke all over the world. We were praying earnestly for him for months. For God to open up his eyes to miraculously heal him. And God answered. But I will tell you, he never recovered his eyesight but the eyes of his heart were opened. The eyes of his heart were opened. One day, Kuru said to me, Dr. Chung, I believe in Jesus now. And, and even though I didn't get healed, I know he loves me. And I want my family to know that Jesus loves them. Now, does Kuru have an abundant life, even though he, he lost his sight? Now, if you ask people 
who are talking about prosperity gospel, health and wealth, name it, claim it, he doesn't have abundant life yet. But money and health is not what Jesus was talking about in John 10. It goes a lot deeper than that. Well, um, this leads me to the next part of abundant life. I want to clarify, though. God did answer that prayer, but in his own way. Amen. Yes. We were praying for sight. Yes. He gave him a sight. Yes, he did. <laughs> but he did. He did. Now, um, this leads me to the next part of abundant life, and that sometimes is neglected, but it's vital. And it's God gives us a calling. He gives us a calling. In verse 16, Jesus said, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. So he wants to give even more people abundant life. He wants you to have abundant life. He wants the people of Brooklyn to have abundant life. He wants the Yi people in China to have abundant life. God is a missionary God. He's always seeking the lost. Now, how does he do that? Through you and me. Through you and me. He's calling us to join him as shepherds. Next slide. Next slide. Yeah, this is my daughter. She was at the farm uh, one day and she was carrying a goat. I just thought this was a good picture. <laughs> She's calling us, he is calling us to join him to be shepherds. First Peter 5.2 says, be shepherds of the flock. John 21.15, Jesus tells Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, take care of my sheep. God, Jesus entrusts the role of shepherd to us. Amen. He wants us to bring people to Jesus so that they too can have abundant life. Yes. Now, do you know an interesting thing happens when we share Jesus with others? Our own faith is strengthened. We ourselves are blessed. But he gives us a choice. He gives us a choice. In this passage it says, we can either choose to join him to be a shepherd small s, shepherd. Or we can be like the hired hand. That's the other one in this passage. We can be like the hired hand, like in verse 12, and run away. Neglect it. A vital part of living an abundant life is sharing the gospels with others so they can have abundant life too. So, what should we do? What do we need to do? Well, we can follow Jesus' example. In verse 10, it says, I have come, I have come, so they can have abundant life. I have come. Jesus came. That's what we're celebrating next week. Jesus came on Christmas. Jesus came to this earth from heaven in order that he can reveal God's salvation. That's the essence of incarnation. God among us. If nobody goes to the neighbor in Brooklyn, if nobody goes to the Yi in China, how are they going to know? How are they going to be saved? Someone needs to go and share the gospel with them. Someone needs to be sent. Well, 
let me go on with my testimony because that highlights some of the stuff that I've been sharing. After my newfound faith in college, I was only about 18 years old, I attended the Urbana Missions Conference. Now, the Urbana Missions Conference is a large conference held every three years or so. And it um, gathers about... Back then, it was about 18,000 people and to worship God, but then also to be moved to uh, be sent to all the nations. And it was there that God showed me that my faith was not just for myself to enjoy. Praise God. It wasn't only for me, although that's really important. That's the first step. He didn't just love me. But he loves the whole world. And he wanted me to be a part of that great commission. So I decided to go to medical school uh, to become a medical missionary. And eventually, over the years, and I was, I was in the Bronx. That's where I went to school. Um, that's where I met Wendy, my wife. She was studying to be a doctor at the, at the same place, same time. Uh, graduated from medical school, stayed in the Bronx, and specialized in infectious diseases, which is the main specialty that takes care of HIV patients. So uh, that's what I did. And in 2009, so 10 years ago, our family joined a missionary agency it's called OMF. Uh, it, was the, it was the mission agency that was started by Hudson Taylor, if you know that name. And we moved from New York to China. Uh, I, I spent the first three years studying Chinese because I didn't, I didn't know Chinese all that good. And at the same time, because of the uh, terrible HIV problem up in Georgia, that local, the local government reached out to our organization, who, who we had been working with for 15 to 20 years already. They said, do you guys have somebody that knows something about HIV? Uh, we're, we're building a new hospital and we need people. We need, we need somebody to help us with this because we're trying, but it's, it's not working out so great. Right at that time was when we were available and they, our organization said, sure, we got somebody. And so we went, 2012, we moved uh, from a city to that place, Jaudra. And um, we started treating HIV patients, and we started teaching them regularly about HIV and how to better care for themselves. Next slide. Oh, that was the Christmas picture. Sorry, next slide. <laughs> right, right. So, um, let me share with you one more family. Uh, this is a Yi family. They're all Yi people. They're this Yi family that uh, we got to know. Um, Yo Guo is the woman that I was there um, seeing in the picture. She was very sick. She also had HIV. And she had actually a very serious infection. Um, if she did if she delayed any longer, she'd probably be, she'd probably be dead in a few weeks. Uh, she, she was very, very ill. But uh, we started giving her the right medication, um, started praying with her, with her family, shared the gospel with, her, with them. And she started getting better. Everyone was 
getting happy, was everyone was happy about it. But halfway through her treatment, she hadn't finished her treatment yet, halfway through her treatment, her parents um, came up to us, to the doctors, and said, we want to take Yogo home. So why, why would you want to take, them, take her home? She's not done yet. She's not finished. I said, oh, we're only going to take her for a few days, for two days. We need to go see the Bimor. We need to ask him to bless her, to ward off the evil spirits, and to sacrifice the sheep or something like that. And we said, well, we can't stop you. I mean, they're going to do this anyway. And they promised, we'll, we'll bring her right back after a few days. And... and when two days passed, I called and found out they said she died. She died at home. And when I saw her mother, Yogwa's mother, her mother was by her side. It was either her mother or her father was by her side 24 hours a day at the hospital dedicated parents who really love her. She was broken. She was so broke. She, she said, Dr. Chung, I should have never taken her home. I should have never trusted the Bimo. Said, under your guys' care, under your prayers, under your God, she was getting better. And she was totally in tears and we got the local uh, a, a local pastor that we partner with a ye pastor we got her over real fast started talking with her counseling her at the at the hospital right there where i met her and then they continued their conversation invited her to church she started coming to church the mother next slide Boodoo, Boodoo is the one on the right, the mother. That woman there is Boodoo's youngest daughter. Okay. Over some time, over some time, Boodoo started getting healing from her brokenness. Can you imagine what she must have felt? Uh, I don't want to go so into I'm going to, I probably won't be able to make it through this talk, but what she must have felt and to get forgiveness, to get healing from the Lord, she was bit by bit being made whole again. Next slide. And she started bringing her daughters to church. She's got two other daughters. They have HIV as well. They were drug addicts. And she started getting them to church. She said, you guys have got to believe in Jesus as well. You guys have to start your medication. They hadn't started their medication for HIV. Said, you can't end up like your sister. You got to start. By the way, she has a son who's in jail for drugs and he has HIV. I never met him because he was in jail. Um, this is a this is a broken family. And, she, and, and Boodoo said, when they were kids, they were angels. They were so um, obedient little children, really sweet kids. Anyway, um, but the Lord has plans for this family. The Lord, the Lord is doing something in their family. 
and healing them. So again, I ask you from a worldly perspective, does she have an abundant life? She know, logically speaking, from a worldly perspective, Voodoo should be bitter, joyless, broken, shame, full, full of shame. But she has joy and peace and love filling her heart now. Now she is going to church and um, she has a new life. She is a new creation in Christ. Next slide. She has started coming to help us at the hospital now. And she is telling other patients and their family members about her own story, about her own family. She's sharing her testimony. This is at the hospital. This is something that we do every week. We get, uh, it's about 40 to 50 um, people every week, uh, different patients, HIV patients in their family. And she's imploring them you please don't end up like what happened with my daughter you've got to take this take your medication early do it right um and she is now helping us reach others next slide now it's not only her now this might be a little bit unclear but it's the folk that are sitting on the bench facing us. There's a group of four other HIV patients, and they're what, are, what we're calling our peer counseling group. They all have HIV. They're all taking their medication. Now, you, you need to know, if you take your medication for HIV, you, you can be very healthy and live almost a normal life, actually. So they're all doing that, and they're all believers. They're, they're all, they all came to faith through the ministry, where we met them and stuff. And so they've all come back. They said, we want to help you reach others. And, and besides our education, I mean, they're reaching people, their friends, their family, their neighbors for the Lord. Um, in this picture here, in this picture here, we're meeting together for Bible study. We're meeting together for prayer. So we're doing that. They're all, almost all of them are new Christians. I mean, they, and, and half of them can't read. So they can't read the Bible. So we're... Um, just doing the Bible study together. Because this is the first time they've ever heard the gospel, uh, ever heard about the name Jesus, actually. So they're completely a new creation. Um, so getting back to Budu, she's cared for by Jesus, the good shepherd. She's brought into relationship with the father. She's overcome the thief, looking to rob her joy. Amen. And now she's living in Christian community. God. And, and she's serving Great. with her brothers and sisters. Yes. This is abundant life. Praise this God. is abundant life. Amen. All right. God can take the brokenness in all of our lives. We are all broken. He can take the brokenness of our lives and turn it into something new, something beautiful. Okay, so my last point is that there is a cost. There is a cost in being a shepherd. Okay, in verse 11, it says, Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. And he literally did that by dying on the cross for us. Now, so this may seem like it's a paradox, a paradox that by living an abundant life, 
we need to die to ourselves. Life, death, it seems, how can that be? In Luke 9, 23, 24, Jesus says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Who, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. There have been many things that we've had to give up uh, to serve these years in China. There have been difficult times, tough times. It's been worth it all. It's been worth it all. To see the people there, the Yi people come into faith, to see patients who were once without God come to faith and even become partners in the gospel work with us, to see God answer prayer in miraculous ways, and all of those guys that, that joined us, I mean, they were miraculous stories. I could go on for hours with them. <laughs> to, and to have our own faith grow, it's worth it all. And, it's, and in partnership with you guys, we're out there together. I want to just finish... Uh, with this last slide. Um, for those who don't know Jesus yet here, Jesus is looking for you. He wants to give you abundant life. Believe in him. Trust in him. He's good. He's a good shepherd. For the believers here, we have a choice. We are either going to say, yes, I want to be a shepherd, or I'm going the way of the hired hand. I'm leaving. When the going gets tough, I'm leaving. Are we going to bring others from outside the church in? Are we willing to pay the cost? Are we going to choose to stay comfortable in our own little Christian world? And not seek the lost? Well, if we do that, we're going to lose out too. Amen. We're going to lose out on the abundant life that Jesus wants to give us. So please choose. There are no lukewarm Christians. Okay, I'm going to pray for us. Praise God. Father God, thank you for this Advent season. Thank you for... Christmas. It's coming around the corner next week. Thank you that we can remember that Jesus came to this earth. He didn't leave us. You didn't leave us in our sinful state. But you came to this earth to be like us in every way and to be the Son of God to show us the right way and then to die for us. And you want to give us an abundant life. Lord, I pray that we would choose abundant life. We would choose to be your sons and daughters. And it's in the little things and the little choices uh, of our every day. Help us to make those right choices and to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can proclaim your word to a dying and broken world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.